Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19, I encourage you to follow along with me as I read this passage. Jesus preached these words. He said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. What are you giving your life to? What are you giving your life to? What what is it that you value the most in your life? Each of us, all of us in here, we live for something. There's some purpose, there's some goal, there is some ambition that is driving us. In this world, we are, we are offered many options when it comes to what we value, what our ambitions are. We're offered many options on how we live and, and what we should focus our lives on. And really, when you break it all down, it's possible to see that, there, that all the values of this world fall into one of two different categories. There's really only two categories when you break it down. It's either you're living for the worldly kingdom or you're living for the eternal kingdom, the heavenly kingdom. Jesus is instructing us here as we are continuing our sermon, our teaching series through the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is giving us the instruction that we should have a single mindset on the heavenly kingdom. That we should pursue, that all of our lives should line up with a a heavenly, eternal mindset. In today's scripture passage that I just read, Jesus uses three different illustrations to show us how we are to have a single kingdom-minded focus. He gives us these illustrations, and he, within those illustrations, he refers to these competing categories. Each of these will fall under, each of these categories, they fall under either the worldly kingdom or the heavenly kingdom. We see here the first illustration there, starting in verse 19, Jesus says that there are two treasures. There are treasures of the earth, treasures of the world, or there are treasures in heaven. Then he goes on and he says there are two visions, either the vision of light or the vision of darkness. Then the third example that Jesus gives us, and you see it there, he says there's two masters, either the master of God or the master of money. 
what we see here is Jesus is helping us to see that there's, there's no fence sitting allowed. All which we value, all of our passions, our pursuits, our loves, our dreams, our goals, our hopes, our security, our comforts, all of it will either will, will fall within one of those two categories. Either a worldly kingdom or the heavenly kingdom. It will fall under either its temporary or its eternal. So in these verses, Jesus is helping us. Jesus wants us to choose wisely. Jesus doesn't want us to get to the end of our lives and look back and say, what, what did I do that is of eternal value? What a, what a letdown that would be to get to the end of your life. The, the, what, what my family has experienced even in recent years, and many of you have experienced it, when we, when we focus our attention on worldly treasures and comforts and things of this world, whether you let go of it or not, your children or your, your relatives are going to haul it all off to goodwill. Jesus wants us to choose wisely. Jesus says, live your life with a single-minded focus on the eternal, on the heavenly. That's our big idea this morning. To commit to a single mindset on the heavenly kingdom. This morning, it's my prayer. It's, I believe it's Jesus. He's teaching us here. Jesus is, he wants us to choose wisely. And Jesus is inviting us to commit to this, this heavenly, this, this mindset of the eternal. So I want to encourage each of us this morning as we look at these various illustrations. And we have uh, Sharon Neely is in the house uh, this morning. She's going to share some. Sharon being a wonderful example of someone who has committed her life with a mindset of the eternal. Daniel Sexton is going to share a few words at the end also of how he's committing his summer uh, to the eternal by serving at Big Creek Mission. So we've got a lot of ground to cover this morning. Let's look now at that first illustration, shall we? And this is where, in that first illustration, Jesus says to be single-minded in what you treasure. Be single-minded in what you treasure. This is the first illustration. Jesus says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves are going to break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where those moths and that vermin, the vermin, they do not destroy. And where thieves... Do not break in and steal. Where your treasure, Jesus says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus' instruction here pertains to the selfish accumulation of earthly and temporary treasures. Jesus is touching on that topic that uh, tend, we, we tend to hold a little bit near and dear to our hearts, and that's money and material possessions, right? It seems... More often than not, probably one of the greatest competitors against our loyalty to God is money and possessions, isn't it? But many of us, we line our lives up. I think of these students, especially the graduates who next Sunday will be recognizing. Many of these graduates are making decisions now, thinking of a career in mind, and, and the struggle is, oh, I want to pursue this career because I'm going to make big money. Right? It seems like one of the greatest competitors against our loyalty to the Lord is money 
and material possessions. And so Jesus here, he's instructing this. Now notice Jesus is not saying that it's bad, that it's wrong to make money. He's not saying it's wrong to go out to a nice restaurant or to even have a nice car necessarily. What Jesus is instructing us on is the danger of the selfish accumulation of earthly and temporary treasures in which you are placing your hope, in which you are placing your value. That, that, that the accumulation of these temporary treasures, that that is what is driving you each and every day. He's warning us against the items and the pursuits that tend to govern our satisfaction and our happiness because the things we treasure, believe it or not, the things that we treasure is what we'll worry about, don't right? What we treasure will cause us to worry. Pastor Dan will preach on that next Sunday. It has a way, what we treasure has a way of controlling our minds and controlling our, our emotions. We are consumed by that which we love and hold dear. We plan and we spend our time storing up for what we are convinced will make us happy and keep us safe, aren't we? Jesus says, though, lay up your treasures in heaven. What does it mean to lay up a treasure in heaven, right? What are those treasures in heaven? Well, laying up treasures in heaven is when we give and do all we can do here on earth for the good of others in the name of Jesus, Right, The way in which we lay up treasures in heaven is by giving ourselves and doing activities, doing good works, Right, like we're talking about this summer, the emphasis, doing good works for God's glory so that Jesus' name will be known. Now, it would seem to be an easy decision. Jesus, again, you look here at, at this passage, it would seem like it would be an easy, easy decision just reading from these, these verses Jesus, as he tells us there's two treasures, he says there's the treasure on earth or the treasures in heaven, right? The reason why it would seem to be an easy decision is because Jesus provides to us a very strong warning against building up treasures on earth. Jesus says the treasures of this world are only temporary. Moth and vermin or rats and mice will get in and destroy it. In fact, I had this experience just last night. I was out working in my seed shack and I was putting away some seeds, and I thought, wait a second now. These appear to be mouse droppings. So I did a little more research, and sure enough, they'd been eating some of my sunflower seeds right there. And so I put them all away. I thought, that was crazy. That's it, right? It's temporary. The mice will eventually <laughs> infiltrate your earthly treasures. They'll get there. So Jesus says, these earthly treasures, they're only temporary. And again, we would feel, you would think, that would be an easy decision, but isn't it true that we still struggle every day? I think it's because we've convinced ourselves that that's what ultimately will bring us satisfaction. As you've already learned this morning and we've been reminded of during the prayer that Pastor Dan had, our greatest treasure is Jesus Christ. And if you have Jesus Christ as your greatest treasure then everything else pales in comparison. And so as citizens of Christ's kingdom, the eternal kingdom, Jesus is inviting us to commit ourselves to a single-minded focus on pursuing heavenly treasures. 
Our material treasures, will, they will pass from, the, they, they will not, all right? The treasures of this world will not pass from this life to the next. It will, as I've mentioned already, be hauled off to goodwill or to the nearest dumpster. Doesn't matter how much you may have worked for that trophy back in high school that is in the back of your closet that you've not looked at in 50 years. We don't take those treasures with us, but the good that has been done for the kingdom of God will last for all eternity. It will last for all eternity. And so Jesus says that the litmus test is for us to consider our hearts. Look there, where Jesus says, he says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So let me just ask us a few heart-probing questions. Since Jesus is wanting to get at the heart here, let's ask a few heart-probing questions. What is it in this world that you think will make you happy? Whatever it is that you think is going to make you happy, you have made a treasure. And the question is, is it eternal? Is it eternal? What is it in this world that, that I think is going to make me more money? Right? Or is it money? Is it a better job? Is it a nicer house? What is it? What standards do you tend to measure yourself and other people by? Are they eternal standards? Or are they standards that are temporary? How about this? And without stealing too much of, of Dan's thunder next Sunday, I wonder, what is it that you worry about the most? That will reveal your treasure. What you worry, what, you stay, what, what keeps you up at night. Are, are, you, are you kept up at night concerned about your neighbor's salvation? Are, are you kept up at night? Some of us maybe... Hopefully, many of us are, maybe, we're, maybe we are kept up at night worried and concerned about the salvation of someone within our church family, right, here who's a part of the church. But, but are you worried about eternal worries and concerns? So Jesus says, to commit ourselves to a single mindset on the heavenly kingdom, we must be single-minded in what we treasure. And then he goes on and he says that we should be single-minded in where we look. In where we look. And he goes on and he says there in verse 22, he says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Now we see here in a sense, Jesus is now, he, he's using the eye in place of the heart, right? There in verse 21, Jesus says, uh, whatever, right, the, that whatever you ha have there in your heart is what you treasure. Now he's saying what you're looking at is probably what you treasure as well. We understand that when we fix our eyes on something, we're revealing our ambitions. All right, The eye, in order for it to be useful, was to be healthy and clear. The eye, Jesus says, should have a single vision. The eye should not be characterized by a double vision. The eye should not be characterized by, by being cross-eyed. Instead, Jesus is saying, fix your eyes on eternal matters. 
And what you're looking at is what's going to guide and direct you. I remember growing up there on the farm. My parents are here uh, this morning with us. And my dad, as he was teaching me how to drive the tractor as a young man, and he would tell me, as you're starting on one side of the field, he would say, fix your eye, look at something on a a stationary object on the other side of the field. Find a, a tree or a fence post over there and drive toward that. You see, straight rows are important to my dad. And the way you get straight rows is by fixing your attention on a stationary object. Because what I'm looking at is the direction I'm going to go. Imagine myself fixing my eyes on a bird that's flying in the air. So this is what Jesus is saying. In a sense, I think we can use the word ambition. Ambition here is a helpful word for us in understanding what Jesus is teaching us. Right? One way to, de- to determine where your vision is fixed is to consider the ambition of your life. I think especially of young people who have the life, who, if the Lord allows, have many years ahead of them. And I wonder, what is your ambition? What occupies your daydreams? What goals have you set for yourself? Does your ambition, do your desires and your hopes and your dreams, do they reflect an eternal concern? In other words, when you get to the end of your life, will you be able to look back and understand that there's eternal treasures that have been laid up? A couple days ago, I was talking to Karina's father, Pastor Hector. Karina's parents are here. Pastor Hector's holding down the, the fort in the back row there. Like every pastor who's visiting another church, he wants to be like the person who sits in the back row. And Pastor Hector has been in the ministry now for 40 years. And as I was talking to him there on a Thursday evening, Pastor Hector has been able to help start 60 churches throughout Mexico. Through the church that he started years ago, they have multiplied and all throughout Mexico have started 60 churches. Listen, the only way, God, you are able to do that is with a kingdom mindset with a single focus, with your vision, with your mindset, with your eyes focused on the eternal. And after all of that, Pastor Hector comes up here to get a little bit of rest. (laughs) He jumps into a family of six with four young children and wants to go rest. Pastor Hector, thank you. And your wife, thank you. For your, for your single-minded focus to the Lord. All of our loyalties in life, all of our pursuits must converge at one point or else we will eventually be torn in various directions. We must have a single mindset on the eternal. We must give our lives to serving Christ and his purposes. And again, I ask the young person, 
Is that part of your consideration as you think about your career, about what is going to happen after high school, what's going to happen after college? How are you going to allow God to take your passions and your abilities and what he's already equipped you to do, and how are you going to use that to glorify him, to build up treasures in heaven? And then the last one then is this. We should be single-minded in whom you serve. Be single-minded in whom you serve. So Jesus tells us first that we should be single-minded in what you treasure, what you're accumulating. Then Jesus tells us that that we should be single-minded in where we're looking and in our ambition. And then Jesus says to be single-minded in whom you serve. Jesus said there in verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. Jesus says you cannot serve both God and money. See, Jesus tells us, he says that serving two masters is impossible. If you, are, if you think you're successfully serving two masters, then you, you are de- deceived because it just can't be done. And Jesus then, he presents to us. He says, here, here are the two masters. God or money. We are warned of the controlling effect that money can have on our lives. If we allow it to, money will indeed become our master. Often, one of the most powerful influences in our decision-making, unfortunately, is the allure of money. It has such a strong pull in many of our lives. And and that's whether you are financially rich or dirt poor. Money just has a way of creeping into our hearts. Few things can draw us away from Christ more than the pull of materialism. So I wonder, here are several helpful, a few more heart-probing questions. How tight do you hold on to your money? Are you and I, are we quick to loosen our grip when there's a need or when there's an opportunity for us to help someone else out financially? I even think of how much time, right? We, we spend our time making money, and then in order to serve someone else, you have to give up the, the pursuit of, of making money to serve other people. And so I think you can legitimately ask this question, how much of your time do you set aside to serve people in need. Where are those areas that you can make room in your schedule to demonstrate that God's kingdom is more important than your pursuit of money or your personal comfort? Jesus says that we should commit to a single mindset on the heavenly kingdom. Now, we have a wonderful example here before us this morning, and that's Sharon Neely, all right? Would you welcome Sharon Neely up here to the the stage for me? Sharon. Good morning, uh, Encounter Church. Yeah, Sharon has uh, been with Encounter Church, has been a part of Encounter Church since the very early days. And... um, 
We are grateful for her ministry. Sharon is a missionary with YWAM in England and has been serving over there for a couple years. She also spent some time in Hawaii suffering for Jesus there on Kona Island. And uh, before that, she was here in Louisville uh, with, uh, with the YWAM uh, branch here. And so, Sharon, I'd, I would just like to ask Sharon a few questions. She was in town, and I thought, man, Sharon, if you are in town, let's allow you the opportunity to share some. Sharon has certainly committed her life to serving Jesus. Sharon has chosen to focus on the eternal. Sharon, like Pastor Hector, has eternal rewards, eternal treasures waiting her. So Sharon, if you would, just for those who are not familiar, can you just give us a, a brief uh, description of YWAM and uh, how long you've been serving with YWAM and, and even a brief overview of what you do? Sure. Would love to. Again, welcome. Thank you, guys. It's always good to be here, especially in person this year. Um, yeah, YWAM is Youth with a Mission. It's an international and interdenominational missions organization. Um, that's all over the world. It's mainly focused on training young people to do missions work, um, also in evangelism and mercy ministries and reaching out and helping people, um, whatever that may look like around the world. So um, right now, one of the main roles or things that I do, um, I live on a campus that does a lot of training schools, um, discipleship training where people come, young people, and then they come for a time, and then they go on an outreach and get experience working on the mission field. And then I also um, work, uh, or so on this campus, there's so many different things that we can be a part of. I've mainly been, I work with the finances and part of it, so, um, but also I, I love people, so I also work um, leading a, what we say, like a track in our school. And it's about frontiers missions and cross-cultural missions. Sharon, how has God used your passions and your gifts uh, in being able to be equipped to minister to others over the years? All right. That's a good question. I'm passionate about coffee. No, just kidding. Um, no, you are I am, about so, but coffee. I just have coffee with people. That's easy, ministry. <laughs> um, my passions. I, I wouldn't say, like, I'm not someone who's like, Oh, I have like, I'm so skilled in this one area. I'm good at talking to people, which makes it easy So to, to do ministry if you're good at talking to people. Um, yeah, some of the things I've been doing uh, recently even uh, in the last two years uh, in our city where I live, uh, they've started a food bank for people who have, during the coronavirus pandemic and lockdown that we had in England, um, to help out people who've lost their jobs or single moms and things like that. So I've been helping out there because God's given me the gift of organization, and I like food. No, um, And then uh, another thing is, uh, if, as long as, like, talking to people, I also help with a seniors' lunch. Our, our campus asked the local, like, the, what we call, like, the council in our city, like, what's the needs? Like, where are the needs in the city? And they said it was seniors who are lonely or don't have access to, to go to the shops. And so our campus has partnered with the council and others to offer like a bus service to um, take seniors and individuals to the store. I don't do that, I don't drive the bus, but I do have the seniors lunch where we have it once a month and they can come and get to know each other and we have a little program. Those are just two examples. I, I'm in a running club. I don't necessarily consider that ministry, but I've had some great conversations with people and it's a great way 
to learn the city and to learn people in my city and to stay active. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's some of the examples. I think here in Louisville even, um, I got involved with the internationals community just by making friends with the Nepali family. Um, so that was super easy. You just show up and talk and eat. And I still, to this day, one of the reasons I am here today is because I came back for a Nepali wedding. So one of the daughters got married. So. And so what you've done, Sharon, is you've taken your interests and your passions and you've attempted to be intentional to have that single mindset to, um, to use those for ministry opportunities. What are some of the greatest challenges, um, or what are several challenges that maybe you've experienced in living this out, um, or even just in ministry as a whole? Yeah. Challenges. I'm, well, if serving overseas for a lot of, I've been with YWAM for 21 years now, actually, which um, Seems like a long time for sure. Uh, definitely cross-cultural is always a challenge when you're working in different cultures and making sure that you know what you're a part of or what you're presenting is uh, rece being received in the way you think. But even like, I would say even like insecurity is a challenge sometimes because you're like, oh, am I gonna say the right thing? Or I don't know enough about the Bible to, to share about this. Or what if, um, what if I offend someone? Or, if I, or even like an insecurity of, you know, you want to start something, you want to be great, and you want it to thrive, but maybe you, you do it and it fails. And so I think that would be one challenge that I personally push through, and it's like, okay, if God's telling me to do it, I just got to do it, and he'll take care of making it good or whatever happens. <laughs> yeah. So. What would you say, um, what are some of the needs that you have, uh, even right now, that we as a church, because we talked about loosening our, our grip on, on our money, right? Now's your opportunity to really go in for the kill. Um, what, what, would you, what are some of those great needs that you have? Um, well, I, I have a rich father. His name's God. <laughs> yeah, that's what we say in missions. We're like, it's okay. I have a rich father. Um, yeah, I think the, uh, the only, I don't, I don't, I don't really have that many needs per se. I try to, I think, gratefulness. I try to be in gratefulness. I think right now, um, definitely like my monthly expenses and stuff are covered, but I've been trying to set aside some uh, for like travel. And I usually come back to the States once a year, but I know um, like my grandma's getting older and things like that. So I've been trying to put some aside in case like she passes away or and so that I can come back a little bit uh, more often to visit um, her. So that's one thing that I, I've been trying to save on the side. Other than that, for um, also for like future trips, I think a lot of missionaries will raise enough support to kind of cover our, you know, our rent and our car and fuel, things like that that are going up around the world. But it's those extra things like to take a, a trip. I did a, I went on a staff outreach just two weeks ago to another city in England, and it was I was so grateful that um, that I could do that and just have enough to go and to minister to people just for like a week even, so. Well, Encounter Church, we can be proud of Sharon Neely and the work that, that she is doing with a heavenly mindset over in England. And so Sharon, thank you very much. Make sure that you get an opportunity to give her a hug or a high five and say hello after the service. I'm gonna turn our attention a little bit now to closer to home and bring up Daniel Sexton. Daniel Sexton has chosen here uh, this summer 
he has chosen a single to have an have a heavenly mindset. Uh, there are a lot of ways that a graduating high school senior can be spending his summer, uh, but Daniel has chosen to spend his summer serving with Big Creek Mission over in Appalachia. Uh, if you remember, our high school students went there. Uh, Jesse took our students there last summer. They're going again there this summer. Uh, God moved in such a way in Daniel's life uh, that he's been prompted to give his entire summer to serve there. And so I just ask you this question, Daniel, what prompted you to want to spend your summer serving the Lord with Big Creek Missions? Yes, like you said, I got to, um, I got to go last summer and it was an amazing opportunity. And after coming back, uh, a couple of weeks after coming back, I was like, I really feel like the Lord wants me to come back um, to Big Creek. But I really didn't know exactly how that would work out. So, um, but there's a verse in Ecclesiastes 11, I think it's 11.4. Yeah, that says, He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not weep. So, will not reap. <laughs> um, so, it was... That was really helpful for me to understand. It isn't up to me to decide and to figure out exactly how or when it's going to play out, but for me to simply follow where he's leading me. So what you're saying is you were just open to God's leading wherever he would take you with that. What will you be doing while you're at Big Creek this summer? I do not know yet. <laughs> I, um, there's a one-week um, like training, in a sense, that um, we'll go through for the first week that I'm there, and then I'll learn my assignment and uh, what campus I'll be at. All right. What are you most excited about this summer? I think one thing that I really was um, excited about last summer and something that was really cool was um, getting to work with a lot of the kids. Um, a lot of them have really, really rough um, situations that they're going through and that they've, um, that they've been through. And a lot of that, um, just with my upbringing, I'm able to connect on so many levels with them. Um, and just being able to break through some of the walls that that have kept me from doing the things that I want to do or kept me from following God in the way that um, he's asked me to. It's just really cool. What are some of the needs or how can we be praying for you as you get ready? Because you'll be leaving next Sunday. Is yes. that correct? After, Sunday afternoon. Uh, well, it's now Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Yeah, fair enough. Good. <laughs> um, so, yeah, pray, pray um, that um, the Lord would not only use me, but that we would... Um, we wouldn't be caught up in numbers. I know that's one thing that's really easy to do um, over emissions is to be caught up in numbers and the, the noticeable impact that you're having, whereas a lot of times it's more of the little things, little, the little things that you do that make the true impact. Um, and then um, just for safety, um, the Appalachia is not, um, it's not for the weak. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, we are, um, we're proud of you. We're proud of the work that God is doing in your life, and we're excited to see uh, how he uses you uh, this summer. All right, church, let's express appreciation for Daniel as well. Thank you, Daniel. And church, I don't know if you've gathered this, but uh, in our 16 years as a church, never have we sent, this is our third, right? We had the Guadines a few weeks ago who are going to the Dominican Republic for several weeks. We have Sharon Neely who's home and we'll be sending her. She'll be, flying. She'll be here next Sunday, Lord willing. Uh, she'll be flying back to England. We have Daniel who now we're sending to Big Creek. Uh, 
this summer. We have our students who also will be going. But do you notice these people are making these decisions because they believe in the eternal treasure, because they believe that Jesus is the greatest treasure and that, that it's, it's okay to give up treasures in this world to lay up treasures in heaven. Now, again, most of us are probably sitting here and we're saying, well, Michael, there's no way I'm going to go to England. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it'd be nice. I'd love to go to England and tour. But God's not calling me to England. God's not calling me to Big Creek missions to serve the Lord. So then some of you are saying, how can, how can, I, have, how can I jump into this? And this is where our summer emphasis plays in. Right, The good works for God's glory, the summer of good works, as Michael Faye shared with you, each of you as you leave will be getting a piece of jewelry. Did you all notice that? <laughs> he said that he doesn't wear jewelry too often. He's wearing a wristband. Don't get too excited. There's no diamonds involved because those are earthly and we wouldn't give you anything like that. <laughs> but but these are wristbands that on the wrist, they're yellow for, they're bright and bold and yet for a reason because Jesus tells us to what? Let our light shine. So they're bright and bold for a reason. If you're like, man, I typically don't wear something that bright and bold. It's done for a reason. And on it, it says good works for God's glory. Again, most of us won't be getting on a plane to serve the Lord in England most of us won't be getting in a car to serve the Lord at Big Creek Mission, but all of us have the opportunity to enter into these good works for God's glory in your workplace, in your cul-de-sacs, and in your homes. And we've been talking about this for several, for several weeks. We're encouraging you to go to our website, myencounterchurch.org, and you'll see there, there's a big bolt, there's a... There, there's a um, a picture there, just click on that picture that talks about the summer of good works, and you can learn more about this. We got an idea uh, this week from Denise Sales, where Denise said, I'm ready to step into these good works, and here's what Denise wrote. This is a good work that she wants to do for God's glory. Denise submitted this this week. She said, I would love to pack Ziploc bags for the homeless, filled with a New Testament Bible, various gospel tracts, hygiene, comfort, and food products. Denise went on and she said, we should never give money. We should never give money to these individuals because of likely addictions, but we can encourage and support them by providing them some basic necessities and pointing them to Jesus, the only one who can truly help them and set them free. Denise said, I would love to meet with anyone who has a heart for these people and to pack the bags together. We can then divide them up and keep them in our cars to distribute. Church, what Denise is saying is Denise is saying, I can do good works for God's glory. I can have a single-minded focus that even as I'm sitting there at the stoplight and there's a homeless person who, who has a need, then I can have that single-minded focus, the eternal focus, and I can hand them something to help them out. This is what we're calling us as a church to do. The good works for God's glory is to help orient our minds to be single-minded focus. If nothing else, over the summer, God might not call any of the rest of us to go into foreign missions. God might not call any of the rest of us to spend a summer at Big Creek Missions, but God is calling each of us to have a single-minded focus right where we are. 
And Jesus here in this passage this morning, he challenges us. He says, be single-minded in what you treasure. Are you too focused on the material possessions of this world? Jesus says, be single-minded in your vision. What's your ambition? Jesus says, be single-minded. Have an eternal perspective in who you serve. We know that Jesus is the, the one, the perfect example, who, who did have a single-minded focus in living. That Jesus came so that he might die. He was focused on that, and the author of Hebrews then invites us to focus our eyes on that, doesn't he? The author of Hebrews says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, right? To have the eternal vision, to focus on Jesus, to focus on the cross. He says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Hebrews tells us, consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart.